Hey, welcome to the Football Die podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And it's been another crazy week of, of things going on off the field and on the field in the Premier League this time around. Uh, notably, Manchester City losing to, to Tottenham again. No surprise there. They do it all the time, it feels like. But off the field, yeah, City have had some um, quite serious allegations made against them by the Premier League of all people. So we're going to start there, I think, as well as the City-Tottenham um, game, uh, which Tottenham won. Uh, a dent in the title hopes of Man City, but they've got bigger problems at the minute, haven't they really, Miles? I mean, the the statement from the Premier League reads quite seriously. Um, and I don't think many are surprised that these allegations are being brought up, these charges. But breaking financial rules, over 100 counts against City, potentially, after a, an investigation that's been going on for more than four years, I think, from the Premier League. What are your feelings about that? Because there's not much detail so far, but how do you feel about it? It stretches over like a decade-long period. So there's a lot of detail there. Yeah, obviously, we've got to be careful with it while we don't know too much of the ins and outs of where these irregularities are. But it is very alarming to hear the the level of this problem and how many times this has come up. And obviously, it's not the first time there have been these allegations against Man City. and They've kind of rode their way through them each time, but mm. it, it doesn't look good. We've obviously seen what's just happened to Juventus over in Italy and whether that will set a precedent that the Premier League feel like they have to follow now. It's very telling that this is another Super League club as well. It's it's a really interesting thing to see develop. And actually, mm. we talked last week about whether there was a bit of unrest at City within the playing squad and within the coach. And if you've got things like this going on in the background, City's statement kind of made it seem like they were surprised at these allegations coming out. But they, they can't yeah. genuinely be, surely. It must be something they're yeah, aware of. They and if they're be, not, they? that's... I don't know, though. They, they need to at least be aware that people are looking into them, surely, because that, that seems like poor management on its own. But we'll see what implications it has. I mean, if it's anything like Juventus and they take 15 points off them, they'll still be above Liverpool and Chelsea, which is quite funny. But, but it would at least shake things up a little bit. And yeah, who, who knows what? It's really unprecedented, isn't it, in England? We don't really know what to expect from this. No. Well, we've got to really not say too much because there's not much detail to, to kind of look at. But yeah, uncharted waters. And I think the Premier League are are still kind of keeping their cards close to their chest about exactly what the nature of these uh, these charges is. Um, I think there's mentions in there of um, payment to managers. And I think it was Mancini that's that's been mentioned within that period. So well, yeah, a lot more details still to come to light. Um, but yeah, it's over a decade long period. And there's been talk of, you know, titles being stripped away, things like that. <laughs> I don't think the Premier League... I've got the balls to do that, first of all. I think it seems like if these charges do come to fruition, there's probably something like a points deduction, which, you know, on a season where City are not likely to win the title, it seems like. doesn't seem like much of a punishment either. But what do you feel, Dave? How do you feel about it? I like the ring of 23 times Man United. That's what I, like <laughs> I want Villa's Carabao Cup win from 2020 <laughs> as well, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's... I mean, we've heard murmurs, haven't we, over the years of, you know, certain things that have come out, um, obviously nothing official. and But it is, it's quite disturbing, really, to kind of hear that it's been going on for this long, um, if if it is the case. Um, but apparently it's, it's also something that's been worked on for the last four or five years by the Premier League. So that just kind of goes to show that, if they do legitimately have some, you know, evidence there, it's not something that they've taken lightly. It's they've obviously um, looked into it very seriously. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens with it, but it's obviously it's quite concerning, really, if you're a Man City fan. 
Yeah, well, it might set a precedent, like Miles said. Um, anything you want to add to that, Miles? Because yeah. you, you seem to have quite an opinion on it, man. No, it's just there's one thing that is out there that we can comment on. Guardiola's comments himself in May last year when he said, "Yeah, if uh, the club have assured me they've not breached these things, and if they've lied to me, then I'll I'll walk away the next day, and they won't be friends of mine anymore." I think were were his words. So it puts him in an interesting predicament too. To be honest, if these things it go does. through, is it somewhere that he he stays? Does he have to back down from there? Why you say that? Apparently, bookmakers have taken. They've taken a flurry of bets in the last like three hours since it got uh, the news got broken on him being the next person to walk. Like he's now odds on favorite to leave his position. Wow. So yeah, you know, you don't never know what's going through his mind. I think the last few interviews we've seen from Pep Guardiola is a bit of a weirdo anyway, but City feel like a weird club at the moment, don't they? This just adds to that kind of uncertainty and they're in a title race. So this doesn't look well for their momentum, definitely not. It's more disruption for them to, to kind of have to contend with. But but it poses the question, doesn't it? If De Bruyne's on course to get record assist holder for the Premier League, can he do the same in a single season in the Championship next year? <laughs> Imagine that. Got... Also, I reckon it means that we should just be allowed to have Jack Grealish back. I feel like financial irregularity, they didn't have the money in the first place, they've got to give it back, full refund. What, you hand back the 100 million? Keep that too because it was dirty money. <laughs> Depends how far down they're getting relegated. Are they going into? Am I going to be watching Colville Town versus Man City next season? Wrexham. <laughs> They'll be on the new Wrexham documentary. Erling Haaland turns up and has a beer with Rob McElhenney. <laughs> it's. I mean, we laugh, but it is. It's kind of yeah, it's, um, disconcerting, it's, isn't it's it? It's not what football fans want to hear, and it feels like we're nudging further to something like a Super League. If clubs like Juventus and City and PSG, you know, even Chelsea, you never know what their financial position is after their splurge. Yeah, Todd Bowley might be looking out. right now, isn't it? He's yeah, well, there. they might be looking outside the Premier League and their leagues to kind of keep their their, their millions pouring in. Mm. But on the football side of things, as we say, live, uh, Tottenham beat Man City 1-0. Harry Kane obviously should get the headlines here, I think. He's, he's now Tottenham's all-time leading goal scorer, and rightly so. Tottenham are a strange one, aren't they? Antonio Conte is obviously going through surgery at the minute, so you know we wish him a, a speedy recovery from that. But... Um, they were different again, aren't they? And you always raise their game miles against City. But what did they do right this time? And was it anything to do with De Bruyne not being on the pitch to begin with? They, they played at home against Man City. That's the first thing they did, right? Because <laughs> I think it's about five games in a row they've won now and City yeah. haven't scored. She's just seems mental when you think about how Tottenham have been playing over the last year or two. No, it's, it was a great result. I think they were really organised. There were players that played out of their skin that we don't normally see the best performances from. Emerson Royale in particular looked really strong for me. They still had a bit of spursiness in them when Romero gets a, a late red card that's going to yeah. leave him suspended. That's, that's kind of the last thing they needed and it was just an obvious thing of accumulation of fouls against Jack Grealish which is number one thing that you try and avoid in a game like that. But no, they, they played really, really well. I think Kane took his chance pretty well even though it wasn't the cleanest mm. of finishes. I thought he looked really influential again. He was clearly really up for the occasion seeing him take the phone call from Conte afterwards and the congratulations he got on the pitch. Yeah, it's, it's really deserved. He's been such an incredible servant for a club that have kind of underwhelmed in comparison to him. Like, they've not matched his ambition at all, yet he's still no. there and he's shown what he can do. I wonder if at the end of his career, this personal accolade means enough to him to justify some of the decisions he's made. But it's it was a great win. It, it really did some other clubs a few favours as well. I wonder if it starts to get Man United back into the conversation a little bit. You wonder what could have been if they'd capitalised on the Arsenal game a few weeks ago. Yeah. But 
the irony, my brother-in-law is a big Arsenal fan. Obviously, he's been on the podcast with us before and he always talks about how we won the league at White Hart Lane. And I said to him, well, you got a new one this weekend now. <laughs> Spurs won the league for us. So it's, it's a great uh, turnaround for Arsenal in particular. But uh, well, well played by Spurs, I suppose. You've got to give them some credit. Well, yeah, it's another twist in the, the top six, isn't it? And um, it's becoming a little bit more open with results like that. But Arsenal failed to capitalise, Dave, on on that result. Obviously, they lost to a Sean Dyche-inspired Everton earlier in the day. And um, yeah, it was something that everybody saw coming, wasn't it? Sean Dyche galvanising this Everton side. Um, a Dwight McNeil cross for a James Tarkovsky header. It couldn't have been more Sean Dyche, really, could it? It couldn't have been more Burnley, could it? Um... <laughs> But they yeah. got relegated last year, so <laughs> the the glory days of the glory of Burnley days. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot of people kind of expected an improvement from Everton, but I don't think me included. I didn't expect them to beat Arsenal. And in, in the way that the game was won, I suppose you can look at the goal. They look really threatening from set pieces. Um, Everton, but there was just a huge improvement from the whole team. Every single player looked up for it, yeah. and it's something that Arteta did mention after the game. Just said Everton were hungrier; they they were more determined than us, and that's why they won the game. But I think you have to be a bit more kind to Everton than that. I, I think they were. If you looked at just around the pitch, I think that it was a good decision to bring Decore. I thought he had probably one of his best games for Everton. Anana looked. An absolute revelation yeah, this great, game. That's yeah. probably that was is probably his best game for Everton as well, and that says a lot as well. If you look at some of these players are in this team still, there's a few players that are still, you know, quite new to the team. Mikalenko obviously at fullback, um, a big miss for them was obviously Nathan Patterson who looked really good for them before he got injured, um, but. In midfield was the main difference for me. They, they were, were just they were first to everything, and they didn't actually let Arsenal have a sniff. They were constant. Mm. As soon as Arsenal's um, forward players kind of had it, and they were for, forced to kind of be back to goal a lot of the time because Everton were constantly on them, um, yeah. and that's got to be so encouraging because I think a lot of Everton fans probably would have been dreading this this weekend. And I think I don't think he's had the credit that he deserves as well, Deitch for for what he did do at Burnley on such a limited budget. And he's obviously coming to this Everton team. They had such a tragic transfer window. Um, so I think if he if he can get a result against Liverpool on Monday, then what will Everton fans be saying then? Yeah, I think it carries that momentum, doesn't it, from this result? But, um, I mean, he does get a bit of stick, Sean Dyche. He's a bit of a caricature, isn't he, for the kind of football he, he played at Burnley? But you have to remember the resources at Burnley were very limited. And I don't think the talent in the Burnley squad was anywhere close to the talent that's in this current Everton squad either. Um, he obviously switched to like a flat back four. Um, I think you could see the wing play was in use a lot more. And as you said, the midfield was just a lot of running from Everton. And mm. I'd never saw any of that under Frank Lampard. Is it as simple as that from a Sean Dyche team, do you think, Miles? Do you think that was kind of the basis? And what more can we expect to see from him against Liverpool, especially who, let's not forget, are under the cosh themselves? Yeah, I'm interested to see how he sets up for that one because obviously, rightfully so, he kind of paid Arsenal a lot of respect in this game, but just tried to be organised and efficient when they did get their chances and they created, don't get me wrong, but that's because they knew what their roles were and, and it didn't look like that was ever present in this Everton side mm. before. So, yeah, with the Liverpool game, it's it's interesting to see how he plays it, whether he tries to ride the momentum that they've got off this game and, and kind of take the game to Liverpool, but that doesn't seem very dice. I wonder if he'll kind of try and just follow a similar formula of just let's do the basics right 
because Liverpool aren't doing that right now. And they're leaving gaps for us to exploit. You can see where Everton will get joy if against Liverpool. You can see the, the positions that they'll target. It's just whether or not they can kind of keep that momentum going at this stage. It's an interesting one, isn't it? We weren't inspired by the appointment. I think it shows what Everton's ambition is. I think their January transfer window shows that even more. The fact that they were promised a new striker and they couldn't even get Andre Ayew to sign on a free in the end. And they've sh- shifted one of their better players. It's it's a difficult one to assess where Everton really will be and whether this was a kind of one-off new manager bounce. You're always going to expect it. They were fortunate that they played Arsenal in Arsenal's worst game of the season by some distance, yeah. which I don't think is really that problematic. It looked like a minor blip and you can see why it was challenging this game. We'll see where they go from here, to be honest. Arsenal are just fortunate that it didn't cost them anything in the, in the title race because all of a sudden, if City had won that game, what would have been two points? I know they've mm. got a game in hand still, but it could have been tight. So, yeah, thanks thanks again, Spurs. <laughs> yeah, well, psychologically, yeah, it would have, would have made a huge difference, wouldn't it? But mm. um, Arsenal won't be worried. I think Arteta was at pains to say how proud he was of his team, even though this was just a minor obstacle. Um, and, you know, he's, he's quite good at galvanising his players. And he almost sounds a bit Pep Guardiola-esque when he talks about his team, doesn't he? He's very quick to defend them. And rightly so, they've, they've, they didn't do badly. They were just very wasteful against Everton, mm. I thought. They created plenty of chances. Mm. But Everton's win now paints a different picture down at the bottom of the table. And Leeds have sacked Jesse Marsh kind of on the back of the way this looks now because their outlook is pretty bleak, isn't it? And we were saying before we recorded, Miles, that it's strange they've sacked Jesse Marsh in some ways because they've just signed Weston McKenney and they've kind of built this structure of, of the RB kind of set up around him. Is there anyone better for Leeds to turn to at this stage of a season? And what do you make of the decision right now and the timing of it? Yeah, it's it, it feels like this keeps happening this season where clubs just pick a really odd time to make their changes. Because yeah. we talked about this with a few clubs, haven't we? We talked about it with Chelsea. We talked about it with Everton waiting so, so late in the transfer window. It's just, you've just let the transfer window close and you sack your manager after, what, what is it, one game since the window's gone? And actually, Leeds, Leeds are such a funny one because they've not been playing too badly. They, they, I know this sounds ironic because you can't be unlucky in 38 games for a season, but it does feel like Leeds are quite unlucky. I've seen them play some quite nice football at times. And yeah, they've built a squad around what Marsh wants. There's obviously that connection with them bringing in so many American players. That's clearly something he wanted. They've got a lot of players from RB Salzburg as well, or Leipzig. And it just seems like they've built a squad for him over the course of a year. Because let's be honest, it's only been a year. In fact, it's not even a year yet, is it? And they've already given up on a project that they were kind of chasing for a while. It was very clear that when they got rid of Bielsa, they already knew they wanted Jesse Marsh. I don't know who they want now. I I can't see an obvious candidate, really, that would come in and improve this team, necessarily. I think Leeds... Leeds I really worry about. I was going to say I think Leeds might have put a nail in a coffin by doing this, but I'm not even convinced Marsh would have kept them up. I just don't really know what the ambition is for Leeds right now. No. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Obviously, they've lost Rodrigo as well. He's injured until at least April, isn't he? Yeah, it looks like. Blow. And that, that really will affect them. But they've got quality in that squad. I think if you'd mm. give a Marsh more time, maybe you would have got the best out of them. It's hard. If they'd sacked him yeah. in November, I would have understood. But now it seems well, weird. They've still got a game in hand over Everton, who are just below them mm. in the relegation zone. So it's fine margins at the bottom. And Dave, I mean, are you looking at this thinking that Leeds could have recovered this? Did you see their loss to Forest as... A really problematic result. I mean, Forrest are flying fairly high in the table really now. Well. They're 13th, I think. So 
it's not like they're a direct relegation rival at the moment. There's five other clubs around them that are in in much worse position than that. So with the game in hand over the team below them, Everton, do you think they still stood a chance with Marsh in charge or was it the right time to make this decision? I think the thing for me is they were falling foul of familiar problems from before, uh, defensive issues. If you looked at their their defensive uh, mistakes that they're making, they have been making for the last 18 months, two years even. Um, and they've got some of the same personnel in there now that they have had, you know, for a couple of years. So it's almost goes to say if, you know, if keep trying something and expecting different results. Um, it, it, for me, I, I feel like they do need a couple of defenders and it's already, already too late now. I mean, the transfer window's closed, but yeah. it, they've got, obviously, if you look at who they've brought in, um, obviously Nonto looks looks brilliant. Um, and obviously Western McKenney, um, you mentioned Miles. It is just strange how they have looked to seriously to kind of back the manager, but then it almost feels like an impulsive decision. Mm. And you kind of expect them to have somebody lined yeah. up. I know, obviously, Carlos Corbran at um, West Brom was at Leeds between 20. 20- 2020 and 2022 is their under 23 manager or sorry just before that couple of the couple of years earlier than that and he went to yeah. Huddersfield and you look where he took Huddersfield and nearly got them promoted into the into the playoffs um mm. he's doing an amazing job at West Brom so it wouldn't surprise me if they did bring a familiar face back in obviously I know a lot of people are mentioning Bielsa but I don't <laughs> think that would be I don't think that would be a great idea but somebody a familiar face who's been at the club knows obviously what the club's about is obviously a, a very promising manager and what is achieved so far it looks looks uh, a good suit for me. Um, so I've got I mean, a name we'll for you. What... Go on. Solskjaer? <laughs> it's available. <laughs> I don't know about that. Why? The well, last time he had a team in the relegation battle, he, he made yeah. it worse, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that's a different manager. Think about how Solskjaer got United playing at times and how he liked to play. Is this Leeds squad not? Is that not their best route out of this? I don't know if he'd want to go to Leeds. To be honest, he's very Man United now. I don't, yeah, I don't think I'd be frowned. I think I'd be frowned upon quite a bit. Yeah. Well, so the yeah, I think Solskjaer's out of the question. <laughs> Gerard or Lampard, they're both available. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason a, they're both available. Don't take either of them. <laughs> That'd be a turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Back in Premier League uh, management straight away. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a strange one at Leeds. I mean, I think the way they play is always a bit kamikaze sometimes, isn't it? They always try and play on the front foot and um, you can only play like that if you've got a really solid defence and they've never looked very solid at the back, have they, Leeds? So, yeah, I think unless they'd signed a couple of really dependable defenders, this was never going to work out for them. And it, they were fun to watch, Leeds, don't get me wrong. Marsh got them playing some good football sometimes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it is a shame that that project hasn't actually come to fruition or even been close to being completed. Less than a year in the job is not long enough, is it, to kind of make significant change to a team, especially a team that was ingrained in the Bielsa way of playing. You know, it's going to take time to get rid of, isn't it? And I think he did a good job in changing that fairly quickly. So, fair play to Jesse Marsh. He did, he did all right for me. I think he deserved a chance, I think. A character will miss in his interviews as well. And I'll yeah, definitely miss definitely. Yank Lampard trending on Twitter this weekend. This was a personal <laughs> highlight, to be honest. I thought it was very funny. And another team in uh, relegation trouble that we need to talk about. Um, no, not Wolves, but Liverpool, potentially. <laughs> Wolves beat Liverpool 3-0. Um, they're languishing in mid-table now, Liverpool. And um, 
this result against Wolves just highlighted everything again that we were talking about from the Brighton game and all the terrible performances Liverpool have had so far this season. But I want to put the spotlight on Wolves mainly because we've seen progressive ch- sort of changes and improvement so far since the new manager's come in. But Miles, what do you see about Wolves that made them look so sort of solid and hard to beat for, for this Liverpool team? Because they played really well, didn't they? For as bad as Liverpool were, Wolves actually brought the game to them. They've just got some real quality in that squad, actually. And, and players that have been quality for a while that we almost kind of forgot about and weren't getting kind of recognised because they weren't being coached as well. Lopetegui is clearly a very good coach, particularly at that sort of level. It's, it's an impressive appointment. And he has got Wolves playing again. And players like Ruben Neves, he was, he was phenomenal in this game yeah. and highlighted why really that should be the kind of player that Liverpool are going after because it's exactly what they're missing, really. And no, I thought Wolves were great. And it wasn't one of those games where you look at it and think, oh, OK, they, they kind of hit Liverpool on the counter at times and they got a bit lucky. I thought they were great. I think Klopp's comments after the game were ludicrous that he saw it as a 2-0 game because the third goal shouldn't have counted because it was the first time they'd crossed into Liverpool's half or something like that. And then Wolves excellently responded on Twitter with a, a, a picture of Ruben Nevers, like disappointed at the scoreline change from 3-0 to 2-0. Absolutely brilliant from Wolves' <laughs> admin there. I love that. But no, I think I think they were really, really strong in this game. They've made, they've done some smart business over the last couple of windows. Mateus Cunha looked really good in this game as well. So Wolves shouldn't be any trouble, really. They, their squad's definitely good enough to be at the sort of level they are in the Premier League. Mid-table team potential to kick on if they invest well again I guess well they didn't look like they could score a goal for anything uh, not so long ago really but Mm. but three past Liverpool um, I don't know how much that says about this Liverpool team at the moment (laughs) but they, they 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 made the chances you know and I think Dawson signing as well as another sign of them trying to sort of look more solid more dependable and he played really well as well and it was good for his goal um Dave, are you looking more positive about Wolves now? Can you see them actually using this kind of mini momentum they're building to to put a run together? Because they're still in the mix for relegation, but they look healthier than some of the teams we've already spoken about, don't they? I think the main thing for me about Wolves and what they're so annoying to play against. You always dread playing against Wolves because they're always difficult games. Um, I, I hate playing against them as a United fan. It always seems to be one of our bogey teams where we just struggle to get a result. Um, so you've you've got to give them a lot of credit, especially obviously under the new manager as well. They equally is is difficult to play against, and you're looking at some signs, obviously in attacking areas. Obviously, Adama got a, an assist in this game, which he has obviously <laughs> struggled, which is very rare. He struggles obviously for their own product, as we know. Um, and they actually had the highest xG this weekend. I don't know if that's. <laughs> That's more Liverpool being just awful defensively, or Wolves actually improving in this area. Um, they obviously it could have argued been four. Him, I don't know what happened yeah. to Jimenez at the end there. That he should have scored. Um, but yeah, obviously the the changes that he's made, and it seems like the, the players are responding to him. Mm. And you've got to say Wolves is midfield. That that is a really good midfield. I'd happily have Mateus Nunes at United. I'd happily have Ruben Neves at Man United. Um, there's a lot of top six teams who would happily have those players. And I think Liverpool have been linked with Mateus Nunes, haven't yeah. they, in the summer? They have, yeah. So, yeah, yeah they are blessed with a lot of talent in that squad and they shouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone, really, for me. So what is the difference now then, do you think? I know there's a new manager, there's a couple of new players, but like you say, a lot of the talent that's there has been there for a while, but we've just kind of forgotten about them because they hadn't really played as well as they could have done. 
what's different with their miles about the Lopetegui Wolves? What, yeah, what's changed? He is the big difference, isn't it? I mean, yeah. look at the level that he's come in from. This is someone that was doing excellent things with Spain until there was the fallout when he was offered the Real Madrid job not that long it's ago. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, but it's someone that Wolves had earmarked before that point, obviously. It was someone that they saw fitting in with this project. And that's exactly what has, has happened. He's got them, they just seem a lot more confident. I know that seems like such a, a basic thing to say yeah. about a new manager, but he does seem to have instilled a sense of quality into the players through through their actions. It just seemed like the players that we expect good things from, like Neves, they weren't producing them as regularly or as frequently. And obviously, we know that they're struggling with goals, as Dave mentioned, and Jimenez, since his injury, has kind of failed to get back to that level. Diego Costa was never really destined for success. But if they can start to spread the goals out and not worry so much about that focal point, it seems like they're not playing towards someone like Jimenez anymore. They're using the squad yeah. better. And they've got quality there. Daniel Pudence, he he's going to score goals. Neto could score goals. They, that squad is actually quite talented. Let's not forget how they assembled it. You and forget that, Neto. Yeah, it's yeah. really easy to. But that was a player that, again, had all the potential in the world at one point. And United were looking at him, weren't they? Mm. There's a lot of players there that you could see them moving on to a, a bigger club and fitting in perfectly. It just wasn't clicking at Wolves previously in the season. But Lopetegui seems to at least have got them a lot more organised, playing better football. Their passing's a lot quicker. They seem a lot more aware of what's going on in the pitch than they did before. Yeah, it's, yeah it looks like a strong side, actually. I wouldn't be surprised to see Wolves quite comfortably mid-table at the end of the season. And they'll, uh, they'll be joined by Liverpool there, I think. It's a bit of a coup, really, to get Julian Lopetegui for Wolves, isn't yeah. it? And I think it's a sign of the strength of the Premier League that mm-hmm. that has happened because they're a team fighting relegation, although they're a talented team. I think that's probably the main reason why he's taken the job because you can see this Wolves team as having a lot more potential to do better. Mm-hmm. And it's only a couple of seasons ago they were kind of in the fringes and in the talk for European places, weren't yeah. they? And I still think they've got a squad that's capable of that. Obviously not this season, but there's kind of shades of of Unai Emery, I think, and his mm. impact on Villa. It's just taken a really excellent coach to come in and get a talented team playing again. I do think this Wolves squad will get picked apart in the summer, though. I think there's quite a few players that, that, that will get picked up. Mm. I think the midfield will be torn apart. Neves has been there a long time yeah. now, really, and a lot longer than he should have been when you consider his level and his quality. And I think Dave's right. Nunes is another one that... Liverpool are looking at him, but would you join Liverpool without Champions League next season? There are clubs that could come in for Nunes that he'd do a really good job for. I think you're right yeah, about United. They, they'd benefit yeah. from a midfielder like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting time for Wolves, but you trust them to invest well, to be honest, because they've got a few wrong. I mean, we saw how like Patrick Catrone got on there, for example, but the majority of the time when Wolves buy a player, it, it works out fairly well. Mm. <laughs> they seem to be quite good at that. Yeah. Another team that has had a mini transformation this game week as well is, is Leicester. So Leicester beat Aston Villa 4-2 and... A lot of fresh faces in the team. I think it was three, wasn't it? New new players in the Leicester lineup. And Brendan Rodgers has been saying for about a year now, hasn't he, that he needs some fresh faces in that lineup. And we mentioned Unai Emery and his impact on Villa. I don't think, again, like Arsenal, really, he'll look at this result with, with too much concern. It was just wasteful on their part. But for Leicester, they took their chances. And, and Dave, that, for me, I thought was the difference between Leicester of a few weeks ago and, and Leicester this weekend, just taking their chances looking more motivated and Tete looks a really energetic winger, doesn't he, to add to the to the mix for them? Yeah, I mean, what did they have? Was it four shots and four goals? Yeah. I mean, four on target. I think they had nine across <laughs> the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it says a lot, really. I mean, one thing I did notice, 
Leicester obviously clinical in in the way that they took their chances and yeah you, you mentioned Tete there who was obviously very impressive on his debut and the way he took his goal I'm actually quite surprised that Leon let him go to be fair because mm. he's actually had a quite a good season um, yeah. and at Shakhtar he was actually one of their main men um, so he, he I'd be surprised if Leicester get him permanently because I, I think there'll be bigger teams in for him from looking at kind of his you know his profile and typically his probably age. probably the sort of player that Villa would like um, <laughs> and um, yeah I, I, th- I just think that's uh, Ian Acho for me he's been waiting for a chance Brilliant. for a while and he's come on come come in and actually had such a great game um, goal and two assists I thought you've got to mention Dewsbury Hall's ball out to, to Barnes for Iheanacho's goal was lit, it was world class like the, that cross cross um, diagonal ball and uh, Iheanacho took it really well and it's somebody I kind of gets cast into the shadows isn't he really Iheanacho over the years there was a time when yeah. we were talking about him and Rashford as the next two real kind of um, big talents in the league and he's had a bit of a tough time so it's good to see him actually doing well again I just feel as though Leicester did actually exploit Villa just for some reason was so tentative playing out this game. And mm. I hate to mention it because he's done so well recently, but Kamara was probably at fault for two goals. Um, yeah. Lost the ball kind of in the defensive um, third and uh, Le- Leicester just took advantage of that. And it's not something that we don't know. Leicester actually have a really good counter press and they pick their moments to press really cleverly. So... Um, I, w- I wasn't surprised to see that happen. I was more surprised just to see how Villa just gave away their goals. Yeah, I think they'll be surprised as well because they've been on such a good run of form and I'm sure Unai Emery was, was tearing his hair out watching it unfold in front of him. But putting Villa aside for a second, Miles, if we can, we'll come on to them later. But Leicester needed this result, didn't they? And it's mm. it's a change for to see Brendan Rodgers and a team of Brendan Rodgers actually perform the way we know they can. Like Dave said, there's some very talented players in that Leicester team, like the Wolves team we've just talked about as well. But they're just laying fairly dormant for the last year or so. Did it just need a, a bit of energy and a bit of freshness from the transfer market? Is that all that was missing, really? Yeah, I think so. Because actually, if you remember, we were kind of critical of Leicester's transfer market in the summer. And then they started the season yeah. poorly. I know they brought in Feist, but it took him a long time to get going, didn't it? And they'd obviously sold for Fana. They'd not signed a new contract down for Tielemans or Madison, which is still not resolved, by the way. Let's not mm-hmm. forget that. But January does look a lot more successful for them. And yeah, energy was the thing with this one, clearly. Dave mentioned their, their high press. Yes, there were mistakes in the Villa back line, and we'll talk about them shortly, I'm sure. But it was down to the fact that Leicester were just up for this. And that's something that we haven't always seen from Leicester this season. They have been a bit lethargic at times. And the energy that Madison brings, him being back, obviously, is, is a really influential thing. He's, the calmness he had in front of goal to take his as well was really good. Tete, you're right to mention, he, he caused all sorts of problems on that side. And he was just aware constantly. And for a new player to come into a team and be that aware of where his teammates are moving, where the ball's going, that's excellent too. So, yeah, a, a great win for Leicester. I don't think we can overplay it. I think they were fortunate, I'll be totally honest. They, they were clinical, yeah. But they should not have had the chances that they had. So you want to see them create them off their own back a bit more. I I don't want to sound like I'm undermining what they did because their press was excellent. Mm. And that, I suppose, in itself is them creating chances. 
but they they allowed Villa to have the ball. They counted at times. They were waiting for those opportunities. That, but we'll see. I don't think Leicester are in serious trouble. We we never really thought that they would get relegated, even when they're in that terrible position at the start of the season. You just thought they had enough quality to pull them out of it and a good enough manager to do it. So they've stuck with yeah. Rodgers. They've invested again. They'll, they'll be fine. My only other real comment to make on the Leicester game, and I know he's been around for a little while now, but Kieran Drewsbury Hall just feels like a football manager regen, like a, a player that <laughs> I swear he didn't exist. And then all of a sudden had 30 appearances in a row for Leicester. I don't know where he came from. He's a late bloomer. He's been um, kind of knocking on the door from the reserve team for quite a while. And he's a local lad as well. And he's been given his chance and absolutely taking it. Because for um, somebody who's broken to the first team, he's quite quite old really, isn't he? In his early 20s. It's normally something you do in your teens. But um, yeah, he's took his chance. And yeah, he looks like he could potentially get an England call-up at some point in the next year. That would be mental. He's, he's pretty good, isn't he? He's all right. I wouldn't get that far. The other really big news coming out of Leicester that happened a week ago but I would put money on the fact that the majority of people watching this or listening to this don't know and I'd be amazed if either of you two caught it as well did you know on deadline day Mark Albrighton joined West Brom yeah I did I thought of you straight away because I know you love him yeah, no. <laughs> that is the most under the radar signing that yeah. you will see in this window I'm gutted I don't want to yeah, he's, he only scored, well. didn't he, a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, he he played, I think in the FA Cup, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He played and scored it, and then all of a sudden I looked and I was like, hang on, why is he older than West Brom? Shut <laughs> Bizarre. I think I might he be only Jamie the Vardy is the only player left from the title-winning team now, I think I'm, I'm right in saying. Yeah, yeah nice. I think so. Yeah, that makes sense, I suppose. But let's look Come at Villa then. then. I mean, how are you feeling after a result like this? Because I know the last time we felt like this and had this conversation was in the Cup against Stevenage, wasn't it? And yeah. We're saying it's a great opportunity, really, to kind of look at the team and go, OK, what went wrong? How can we move on from this? What do you think Kunai Emery be thinking right now? Yeah, I'm furious. We're a shambles. Emery out. January, we bottled <laughs> it. No. Do you know what? The problem is, and actually it's quite nice not seeing that from Villa fans very often at the moment and we, we lost the game and no one going oh well yeah he's got it wrong yeah. no it was one of those things we I, we played really well <laughs> no it's it was frustrating it's really a game of kind of two performances the, the forward line and, and the back line and actually mm. a couple of weeks ago I was talking about how successful the defence has been and how organised we've looked that's not changed based on one result it was just a bad game I'll be totally honest you talked about Kamara Dave completely right a couple of silly mistakes but 99 times out of 100 he makes that turn in the box when he when he gives the ball away from the first one there was a simpler option concert is stood right there and he could have laid the ball back to him but what we saw was Villa trying to implement a brand new philosophy Emery's changing the style of play in the team it's going to take time to get that perfect and we've been really good so far we were good at a lot of areas of that game in this game but let's let's be honest, it's still early in the project. We can't be too reactionary to it. It was yeah. a frustrating one because we gave Leicester four goals. Let's not get twisted. All of those goals were really avoidable. A couple of them because we gave the ball away in silly positions. A couple of them because defenders just didn't mark their man, which is really frustrating. It was Mings' poorest game for a long time. Yeah. Luca Dean looked lost defensively in the first half. And then Moreno came on and he made a mistake as well. So it just wasn't our day. I think that's the easiest way of putting it. I do want to focus on the forward line, though, because there were so many positives. First of all, Buendia looked absolutely outstanding. I thought he was phenomenal. And I was gutted for him that he didn't get his own goal. The header from the corner, he's so good. 
I think he's five foot seven, Buendia. Well, that's what the chant at Villa goes anyway. And he's so good in the air. His technical ability with a header is is phenomenal. So it's a shame that that one didn't go in. Watkins, his goal, goal, goal of the month has to be. The way he yeah. got in front of the defender, adjusted his body in midair and flicked the ball past the keeper, I thought that was brilliant. I, re- I don't know why it's not been shared more because I looked at that and thought, as a Villa fan, I was really proud to see that goal. I thought, it was, re- about... I thought it was his reaction was yeah. more impressive than anything. Like if you look how much of if you look how much of an advantage the um, was it Castagna I think was it at the yeah. back post how much of an advantage he had in terms of distance like his reaction speed is ridiculous. Go back a yeah. couple of weeks when we beat Spurs. He did exactly the same thing. He pounced on the ball after Lloris saved it before the defender, and we scored from it. He's so good at that. But I just love the the striker's instinct. That's what you want to see from Watkins and what's been lacking at times. But the way he adjusted in midair, I just thought that was such a nice finish. That filled me with confidence. Coutinho scored. I know it was disallowed, but even getting in that position and seeing him take on the shot and how much it meant to him when he thought it had gone in, that's the sort of thing Villa need to build from. So, yes, the mistakes are frustrating. Yes, we should have got three points here. We had 63% possession and 19 shots on goal. Leicester had nine. We were much the yeah. better side. We gave them a win, basically, which is a shame, but I'm not I'm not going to stress about it. I'll be totally honest, because I think it's just it's the, the price you pay for trying to adjust your team's mentality for so long, and that will come. Kamara will have better games, Mings will have better games, and, and we'll get far more right than we get wrong like that. Yeah, no need to panic then is what you're saying. No. Just a big, big learn, I think. And uh, you have to take, when you're on a run like that, you have to take these kind of mm-hmm. results um, as that, as a learn. And, you know, it's the evolution of Aston Villa. They're still only, what, five points off the European places. And yeah. again, that's a frustrating thing. It's a missed opportunity to close that gap, isn't it? It is a missed opportunity. If we'd won this game, we would have gone above Liverpool and Chelsea, which would have just been <sighs> phenomenal for where we are. Amazing. But. I think that will come soon. I don't think we'll be waiting long for that opportunity, if I'm totally honest, particularly with the form of some of our players. I know I mentioned his goal, but Watkins just generally is in such yeah. good form at the moment. Emery's backed him. He's got him playing again. There's a lot to be positive about from Villa, even in this game. So it, it's it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be too stressed about it, as long as it doesn't happen again. <laughs> Dave, I'm going to give you the last word on the pod today. Um, I think I want to get your your thoughts on Man United's win against Crystal Palace. It was a tight win because Casemiro sending off made it a tight win, didn't it? But what do you make of the sending off, Dave? Oh, Violent conduct? Uh, going off of the footage that the referee looks at, it, you know, it looks like a straightforward red card. Damn it. But we've looked at angles. I mean, there's obviously a lot been shared on social media fans have you know had their input for me i think it is harsh i I just feel as though i've seen it from an angle today and it almost looks as though he's got his hands on his shirt and he makes a gesture to obviously hughes to say you know don't get involved um and then if you look what's going on in the rest of the melee it's I mean, there's far worse in there. There's obviously Ayu on Fred, yeah. and Fred obviously gives him a bit of a palm to the face as well. So you've just got to look for some consistency. I just don't understand where the consistency is. Um, well, when if, if it was genuinely there. throttling the guy, I'd understand it. But <laughs> from all angles, it looked fairly gentle. And I, I always thought that um, kind of that kind of reason for sending somebody off was when it was putting them in danger of injury, of risk of injury, you know, genuinely going to hurt them. I mean, I couldn't see anything. Nah, intent is enough. There. 
intense enough, definitely. I mean, when they slow the video down by yeah. about 100 times, everything <laughs> looks far worse. Well, we said that is... about VAR so many times. <laughs> Think about any yeah. foul in the, in the box. You can probably find contact if you slow it down enough. Like, th- that's not a surprise, True. is it? But no, the red wasn't, there was no card given initially, and that's the thing. Was it a clear and obvious area to miss that? I don't think it really was. And no, if you were going to slow it down that much, again, look at the melee going on around them and go, well, hang on, that's a definite card. So I was thinking maybe a yellow at, at worst. And I think Casemiro even looked genuinely surprised, didn't he, Miles, to see the red, mm. really? Yeah, and Hughes didn't react either, did he, at the time, no. which I thought was quite funny. I, I, I'll be honest. I could see why it was a red a bit quicker than maybe you guys did. Just because I understand what you're saying that maybe you were trying to calm it down. I've never seen anyone calm anyone down in a bar fight by grabbing hold <laughs> of their shirt collar like Casemiro did. It looks intimidating immediately. And it kind of, it could have yeah. provoked an action very easily. But if his hands are here, as opposed to here, then it's a different situation, isn't it? Then it's like pushing Then you've away, got but... IU who's actually got Fred by the throat like this, like he's about to choke Simon. Yeah, I've not seen that. That's bizarre yeah. that that's not given. Even <laughs> in slow motion, that looks bad. It does. Well, to be honest, I was talking about it at the weekend with a couple of my friends who are United fans. Sorry, I'm friends with more United fans than just you two. Uh, and they were saying exactly the same thing. Of That's one of those scenarios where you either give out six or seven red cards or you pass a couple of bookings around, tell them to shut up and get yeah. on with the game. But it just seemed like for some reason Casemiro was the chosen one. And United are really going to pay the price for that because they've obviously lost Ericsson for a little period. Sabitza, I think, is a really smart sign-in, but now they've got still yeah. another hole, and all of a sudden you've got a completely different midfield for the next three games. Yeah, I think that's the thing I'm most gutted about, is just losing Casemiro again for, is it three games, isn't it? Well, they'll appeal, won't they? Suspension. I reckon they'll appeal it. And I think that's, it might be overturned. That's twice he's, at, he's been, obviously, booked in the first game, suspended, and now sent off against mm. Palace, and, and yeah. probably think, facing the suspension. Did I read, though, that it's his first ever straight red yeah. card? That yeah. seems kind of surprising, doesn't it? Well, he always it skirts is. close to the edge, doesn't he? That's the thing. And he always does these little niggly tactical fouls mm. and he never gets a straight, full-on like aggression yeah, to make him so, get sent He's such off, an intelligent so. player. That's why this he seemed is. like such a stupid decision. Even if you are calming yeah. down, don't grab him by the neck. That's silly, <laughs> no. isn't it? And well, I mean, Ten Hag, Ten Hag did say he put himself in that situation. You know, once you do that, you are yeah. running, and, you know, a very... yeah. A big risk, really, and yeah, it's just the it's the heat of the moment, isn't it? That these things do happen from time to time to time, and there's a first for everything. There's a, everyone's got a first red card at some point. Yeah, <laughs> even just, he's, 30, you, he's thirty at thirty years of age. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's done well to avoid it, really, hasn't he? But I'm just relieved that we actually ended up beating Crystal Palace because I hate playing them, don't you? They're like a bogey team for United at the minute. Yeah, I mean, up to obviously the red card, it was relatively comfortable. Um, there were moments where Palace did, you know, had the odd uh, half chance, but it wasn't really until that that it just completely changed the momentum of the game. And then it, I think United have got to be probably the worst team I've seen that when they're a man down, they just completely lose their heads. They, they are really, you know, I just. They put you on the edge of your seat when moments like this happen. But the encouraging thing for me is that they are actually showing a lot of character in these situations. They're actually holding out in these in moments like this. And obviously, you look at the Arsenal game the other week, they did well to kind of hang on in there until they did. Um, so I'm not going to 
um, feel too kind of nerved about this because I, f- I feel as though we had the game under control up until that moment. Um, yeah. And we, we got managed to get the three points over the line, which is obviously the most important thing. For me, there's two big questions about Man United right now. One, is Marcus Rashford going to catch up with Erling Haaland and score as many goals as in this season? And second of all, was it a mistake to give Ajax a big compensation package to bring Eric Ten Hag in when they could have just gone to Luton and got the best manager in Europe at the time? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me we saw this, Nathan Jones, saying that he's oh, getting a gosh, hard time yeah. at Southampton because he's, he's had to compromise his style too much. And actually, if you look at his data, he's the best manager in Europe or something ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, think he said something like he, he said something <laughs> like um, he's going to start um, stopping pandering to the players now and actually manage like he usually manages. Yeah, that's Why your is he job. Being, he's been brought in to to manage a certain way, and if he's in the Premier League all of a sudden in a dressing room going, "Whoa, these are Premier League players," I'm going to change the way I manage them. Then that's a he'll red flag, isn't it? Yeah, give it two I weeks, he'll so. be gone. I yeah, just think. That has got an air of arrogance about it, hasn't it? It's, it didn't come across it's, well at all. It is very cringy to hear that. Like it's almost kind of... And you can understand that it's come out today and saying that they're reviewing his position um, yeah. due to a, a few, quite a few players apparently not happy with his, with his management style, um, which doesn't surprise me either. Shocking. Yeah. Anyway, on that bombshell, <laughs> um, that's it for today's pod and uh, for this week's pod. Um, thank you for listening, whatever platform you're listening on. We're actually charting on Apple uh, Podcasts lately in a few different countries, including the UK and Ireland. So thank you so much for your support and listening to us there, wherever you, you choose to listen to us. And yeah, keep keep looking into our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe if you can, because we're growing quite nicely on there. If you want to see shorter versions of this podcast with smaller clips that are more relevant to the clubs that you maybe follow that's the place to go but uh, and, in the meantime and, guys and commenting as well it's really nice hearing from people isn't it whether it's it about is. angry villa fans or positive ones that's nice or people <laughs> talking about my mustache it's always nice reading, reading oh yeah things, isn't it? we like that all um, keep doing that all contributions welcome but uh, yeah that's it for this week guys thank you so much and uh, i'll speak to you soon cheers see you next time